0: It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital
1: Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. We are at MJ BizCon. This is day one. I'm here with James Yee. He's with Leaf Trade. James, thanks for being with us on yeah,
0: the Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. What's LeafTrade? We help our path, uh, the users of the platform digitize their processes, get all that data, and leverage it in order to um, you know, create transactions that are more revenue optimizing and margin optimizing, both for the cultivators and the retailers, right? So, um, effectively, getting the consumers what they actually want. Do you have a system that alerts
1: them and pings them and says, "Hey, maybe you should check up on this for situations like that when the the buyer isn't uh, a new, uh, is a new person or unaware? Because it's it's Seattle. We have like two thousand students. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So there's a lot of, of bins that people don't necessarily look in and so if you don't have that digital reminder uh, or some kind of you know, your is low and it flashes when you have, like, 20% or less. Is there any indication that, that gives these folks a heads up? Yeah.
0: So, right now, we've got both for the sellers, but what you're asking right now is for the procurement folks on the retail level. Yeah. We've got analytics portals that they can leverage to really track that data and, you know, purchase things in a really smart, data-driven way. Um, and... Um, yeah. So, yeah. What's What's the uh, the ROI on that? Do you have any data
1: or stats to back up uh, improved or increased sales as a result of those types of reminders? Like, are they selling more because they're on the system because they're aware that the
0: inventory is low and or gone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they there is a lot of ROI on it. Um, basically. A lot of the transactions that are happening right now are on the location level, Uh, procurement folks just kind of anecdotally making these purchases. And so, you know, with the analytics portal, they're able to see like the SKUs that are selling well and the SKUs that they should, um, you know, remove from their shelves, you know, discount it, get it out of there so that they can get more valuable products in there. Um, So those are all the kinds of things that they can track using the analytics portal. I'm curious
1: about, um, like, East Coast, West Coast, or, you know, emerging markets and... You know, I don't know to call them, like, legacy markets, but the older markets on the West Coast, are you noticing a difference in purchasing behavior? Have you ever been able to see, uh, you know, maybe yeah. Arizona wants more vape pens because they're conservative, Washington wants more uh, career pre-rolls because they just don't care? What's, where's the, the consumer behavior differences within the platform that you're able to see?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that... Obviously, with the way that cannabis is in this country, each state, you have to really look at it like its own standalone market. So there are a lot of nuances. General trends that we see, though, are in the East, where it's um, newer markets that are uh, supply, limited supply markets. You're seeing transaction sizes, baskets really, that are like massive, right? Um, on, on the West Coast, it's a little bit smaller and more frequent. Right, um, and a lot more players in the market. Right, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of skew popularity, popularity and stuff like that, obviously, like flowers always king. Right, and there's just a lot of general things that you look at the data and you go, "That's we kind of knew that." Right, um, it is surprising though. I mean, the tenders
1: I ask every time I go into the store, it's still like ninety some percent of the tenders went because I, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm presuming that they like concentrates because they're young. Yes, yeah. yeah, like that's my fault for yeah. assuming, but yet they surprise. Me every time because they're like flour yeah. California I think is kind of a, a, a leader mm-hmm. and they're about 40% market is that kind of roughly what you're seeing taking hold is like this 40% market, market share uh, of the national uh, market share market? On, on flour
0: um, yeah I'd say 30 to 40% interesting you know. right.
1: and then the other nuances is going to be like kind of based on whether they're conservative or they understand the product or. inferring from the data um, why, why are these places different
0: um, sorry, I'm, t- I'm just trying to track the question. Like, yeah, I don't even know what the yeah. question was. So, uh, it happens here sometimes. When,
1: when you're looking at different states, yeah. why do those numbers change? Yeah, and and, and preferences—is it is it based on price, availability, mm, knowledge?
0: Yeah. A lot of times, it is supply driven, right? I think that maybe, anecdotally speaking, right? I think that in a market like California, it's, there's an abundance of flour in the street right so that might affect sales right um, what we see a lot in the um, newly emerging limited license states is that um, you know the products that they want to push in the stores are, are, are more the stuff that you can't really access on the street level right so you know vape cartridges and edibles and stuff like that um, and really tap into this new um, demographic of folks that hadn't otherwise used Canvas before, right? So I think that you're su- you're seeing a lot of SKUs that are and product types that are friendly to that kind of newer demographic.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Walk well, me through uh, an onboarding process. Like, what does it look like? It is. Do they have to set up a time to meet or they just come in on a specific day um, how do you get a, a, a buyer to meet a retailer is, it, is there suggestions based on location or um, product type or how do you get these folks to come together and what does that look like
0: so you're talking about on the leaf trade platform with the buyers the retail dispensaries and the cultivators yeah and so so for us um we started in the limited licensed states right um we're the leading platform in all the states primarily east and colorado ramping up really quickly in the west and generally what we um see is we, we onboard these suppliers in the market, right? And the suppliers are already doing business with, with all of the retailers in the state. And so they'll say, hey, this is how we do business. There's a lot of efficiencies um, involved with it and benefits to both sides. Why don't you come on and check it out, right? And so then the retailers come on board um, and they start transacting digitally through, through the platform
1: is it fairly easy with the, the high turnover in stores for the folks, the buyers, for example, to um, understand and navigate the system? Like, Because I, I know that training and education and turnover are all kind of components. Yeah, yeah. How do you manage that?
0: Yeah, so on the buyer's side, it's extremely simple, right? You We verify uh, the, the licenses, the legal licenses, get them onboarded, and after logging in, it's a matter of a couple minutes before they're to the races, right? On the seller side, and this is where I think our platform really thrives, is just addressing a lot of the complex um, issues in terms of the workflow and and fulfillment uh, processes and stuff like that. Um, and and especially because we are the preferred platform for um, the largest enterprise level of, you know, MSOs in the country. Um, in order to Get them set up and configured. It takes a lot of work, right? We need them to make sure that we you know what their workflows are like and all the nuances from state to state. Get them set up with that, train them, um, and that's that's really what we thrive and what we're, we're the best at. Um, and so it's a little bit more of a longer cycle with them, but once they're gone through all the steps, it's it's like day and night from what they were doing before manually. And what's your revenue model? How are you guys able
1: to uh, generate the income you do and save? So
0: actually, it's pretty simple. It's it's a it's a transaction model. It's a consumption model. So every order that is successfully processed on the site, uh, we charge the sellers uh, a flat rate per per order. That's
1: pretty simple. Yeah, and what's the Uh, What's the turnover rate? Uh, People tend to, when they find it, they like it, they stick Mm -hmm. around.
0: Or yeah, actually, one of the stats that we're extremely proud of is since we launched in January 2017, we've had a near zero churn rate. Oh wow! Yeah, and I think that's testament to kind of our product and people focus, and really um, addressing really really common right Um, so I mean the platform is really sticky in that way Um, everybody in the the organization our client organization gets really embedded into uh, all the workflow processes on the platform Um, and so knock on wood um, (laughs) we we maintain that stack
1: yeah Uh, it makes sense to me like I said it, it it doesn't make sense to have products that aren't uh, that are highly desirable and popular, and yet not available for no other reason other than just not fulfilling an order. Mm-hmm. It seems like an opportunity cost, a huge waste of, um, of branding, and because and consumers will just find something else, yeah. you know, and then they may forget about it. Sure. And so it sounds like this your your platform alleviates a lot of that. It just keeps this system flowing. So that people can kind of have um, that set of expectations, because uh, a particular cultivar might not be available. That's annoying, mm-hmm. but at least if if it's available,
0: right? Uh, that's right. I think
1: stage one that yeah. we need to kind of uh, eliminate is not having that availability. For yeah, no other reason other than just uh, not a cultivar.
0: Yeah, no. I think in the in the simplest sense, our platform is uh, yeah. the place where the buyers and the sellers, right? The retail dispensaries and the cultivators and brands to meet, to transact, and do business with each other, and it's, you know, in that sense it is a marketplace to discover and shop, but we're much more than that, and I think that's really testament to why we've been so successful. It's really addressing the supply chain and fulfillment challenges that um, our clients have, these really, really, you know, complex issues that they have, especially in the nascent industry, Um, so everything from all of their sales cycles they do on our platform, uh, their packaging and fulfillment. A lot of that workflow happens on our platform. And then accounting and finance, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's what's in store for 2023 and beyond?
1: Do you guys have anything uh, that you can talk about or tell me what, to, what yeah. you think is going to happen in the future?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think that the pillars for 2022 have been um, addressing the payments pain point, right? Obviously in fulfillment, you've got you know, the orders happening and then the delivery. The last piece of that is payment. So we got an embedded payment solution uh, for the industry on these wholesale transactions. Marketing has been a huge thing as well. Um, this is literally the platform where all of the licensed players um, are, are doing business, right? And so what better channel for brands and cultivators to um, market and advertise and speak to their um, customers, right, the retailers? Um, And then, obviously, analytics um, is huge, right? People are leveraging our platform for that um, data-driven decision-making, right? And so that's another big thing. We're just in hyper-growth mode. Um, Last year, we had 20, just over 20 people, and now we have nearly 60 people. So continuing that growth. uh, and then expanding into the, into the West Coast. We've already made huge inroads um, in states like Arizona and here in Nevada and um, continuing that expansion into California, Oregon, in Colorado, etc.
1: There's a lot of turnover in the, in the industry and my, my shop that's right by my house by, uh, by SeaTac Airport of Kush 21 they have these three and a half gram long sticks I'm a huge fan. Yep. And they are always sold out. Yeah. And they're, the purchaser... Is always changing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, literally, for five months, there was nothing there, and I'm like, man, are they having spider line issues? And yeah. nope, it was just employee. Yeah. So I'm I'm dying to ask you this question: How is it possible that the this, the manufacturer isn't calling up the store, going, "Yo, you guys buy these all the
0: time, sell out constantly, but for five months you haven't bought
1: me yes. Why?"
0: Yes. No, I'm really glad you asked that because right. that's, that's exactly one of the big things try to solve. Is there's a lot of anecdotal stuff happening from sort of manual processes. And one of the huge advantages of having this is being data driven, right? You've got transactional history, you've got um, Attributes it's about the store, you know, sales a lot, sales history, and stuff like yeah. that. Well, if Cush21
1: is, is listening in Washington State, get a hold of James because you guys need some help. <laughs> uh, if, if for anybody else who, who wants to learn more, get a hold of you, uh, for whatever reason, check out their platform. We're going uh, to find you out.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the best place is our website, uh, very easy, leaf.trade, um, and you can find everything you need to know there. Perfect.
1: Yeah. I think with that,
0: we're gonna have to roll this one up. So I want to thank my guest, James is
1: with Beat trade James, Thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks so much, We them. appreciate yeah. it. I'm Josh QK. This is the Top New Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short, so roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing!